You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. And good morning, everybody, and welcome into the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM. It's the TGIF edition of the program for Friday, December 8, 2023. I'm your host, Gary Harris. Of course, Noah Haynes, my man, main man right there on the other side of the glass. He's uh, taking your phone calls this morning on the First of Main Condos hotline, 205-342-9904. Glad to have uh, Noah in with us again this morning, and we're glad to have you with us here on the radio show, you're listening on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, the Tide 109 app, or at Tide109.com. Like I said, it's the TGIF edition, which means we got a jam-packed show. A lot of great guests today, a lot of different topics that we're going to touch on. And we're excited to have you with us. Right now, I need to tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you, as always, by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It really is just a better way of banking. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com, Alabama Credit Union. Loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. Like I said, great lineup of guests today. Varied... uh, Lineup, three different topics with three different great guests. So we can't uh, wait to get started with them. At nine thirty, it is going to be a new selection to the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, and I can't wait to visit with Scott Sullivan, who um, pitched down at Auburn, and then of course pitched in the uh, big leagues for a number of years. He is. Uh, a native of Tuscaloosa, and uh, grew up in West Alabama. And locally, up in Pickens County, and um, just went on to a great career that, as I said, has led him to an induction this spring in the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. So we'll look back on his career and, of course, uh, what he was able to do in the big leagues and what he's doing now. That's coming up at 9.30. Then at 10 o'clock, it is going to be Alabama gymnastics coach Ashley Johnston is going to be with us. They've got their uh, meet coming up tonight, the Crimson and White preview meet at 6 p.m. inside Coleman Coliseum. It's free to all the fans and will serve as the final sneak peek at this season's team before competition begins in January. So Coach will discuss that with us. Looking forward to that. And then at 10.30, it is Ellis Johnson, our SEC football insider. Coach is going to join us. Normally joins us on Thursday, but he's with us on Friday this week at 10.30. So always excited to get to the inside scoop from Coach Ellis Johnson, and we'll do that. Look back at the SEC championship game. Look ahead to the college football playoff. Look ahead to the controversy with Florida State uh, being left out. At uh, 13 and 0, all that coming up with Coach Ellis Johnson. As I said, your phone calls on the first of main condos hotline for this hour and the Krispy Kreme hotline for hour number two, 205 342 9904. And I see we've already got a caller on the line. Corey, we'll get to you in just a moment. Right now, let's go ahead, Noah, and hit him up with some Friday morning headlines right here on the Gary Harris Show. Well, day two of the AHSAA Super 7 State Championships was held. 
on Thursday at Bryant-Denny Stadium with the 1A, 3A, and 5A games. In the 5A matchup, defending state champion Ramsey. The Ramsey Rams taking on Gulf Shores. Gulf Shores jumped out 21-0, but Ramsey being the uh, champion program that it is, the Rams battle back to make it 21-14, had a chance in the fourth quarter to tie this thing up or take the lead, but it's Gulf Shores hanging on for the win to get the state championship in Class 5A by the final score of 21-14. In Class 3A, it was a game between two high-powered offenses, Mobile Christian and Madison Academy. Mobile Christian coached by former Alabama assistant Ronnie Cottrell. Outscores Madison Academy 55-28 to bring home the Class 3A state championship. And in Class 1A, Leroy and Cusa Christian. Cusa Christian over in the Gadsden area. And Leroy wins state 28-21 in a really competitive and entertaining ball game Today, it's the 2A, 4A, and 6A state championship games beginning at 11 a.m. at Bryant-Denny Stadium. That will wrap up this year's Super 7. In college basketball... All right, let me stay with football for a moment and talk about uh, the transfer portal as uh, Alabama has a couple of players that have gone in after uh, we had two earlier in the week and now two more. Junior wide receiver Ja'Cory Brooks, who, of course, was the Iron Bowl hero from two years ago and then last season had a big year for Alabama, but this year between injuries and uh, slipping down the depth chart has not played much. He is in the... Uh, portal in his uh, Crimson Tide career. He's had 57 catches for 896 yards and 10 touchdowns. And also, according to reports, Alabama Reserve defensive lineman Isaiah Hastings has also entered the transfer portal. Now to basketball, the Crimson Tide is preparing for a brutal three-game stretch against number four Purdue, number 10 Creighton, and number one Arizona, beginning with the Boilermakers this Saturday in Toronto. And uh, Purdue has arguably the best big men in the country in 7-4, Zach Eady. He's uh, tall. He's big. He's a space eater. He catches the ball down on the post, and it's almost uh, unguardable down there. And Alabama might be shorthanded with one of its own bigs, as uh, Grant Nelson, the uh, 6-11 transfer from North Dakota State, has not practiced this week. And he is going to try to go today, but uh, his status for tomorrow's game is uh, uncertain. He has started all eight games for Alabama, averaging 14.3 points and 6.3 rebounds. So he would be a huge loss for Alabama if he can't go on Saturday. So we'll uh, certainly be keeping an eye on that. Monday night, uh, or Thursday night football. It's not Monday night football. Thursday night NFL last night. Not one of the more uh, marquee matchups, although the Steelers were in pretty good shape just a couple weeks ago to make the playoffs. But they lose at home last night to the Patriots. And New England... Wins for just the third time this season. And uh, Bailey Zappi, who has replaced Mac Jones at quarterback, had a huge first half in the game. Uh, Didn't do a lot in the second half, but he didn't have to as the Patriots scored 21 first-half points to lead 21-10 at the break. And they made that hold up as uh, Pittsburgh scored eight points in the fourth quarter. Touchdown in a two-point conversion, but could not get over the hump. And New England wins it 21-10. To 18 with Bailey Zappi at quarterback. So those are some Friday morning headlines. Remember, we got all that great Friday morning TGIF music that we're going to play this morning. Great guest coming up. So you want to keep it dialed in right here to the Gary Harris Show. And when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to get to phone calls. Corey and Trustful, you hold tight. You're going to lead us off in the next segment. So uh, looking forward to that. 
And uh, we will uh, have a great show for you this morning right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Hundred point nine Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny today, the high in the mid-60s, around 65. Mostly cloudy tonight, the chance of isolated showers, the low 53. Mild and breezy tomorrow, a chance of showers during the day. Strong storms arrive tomorrow night, the high 71. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 50 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This season of Alabama football brought to you by Pearl River Resort, Choctaw, Mississippi. Your destination for casino thrills, family fun, and live entertainment. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama Sports and it's brought to you by Guthrie's. America's original chicken finger restaurant is now an official partner of the Alabama Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama women's basketball will be busy at Coleman Coliseum this weekend. On Saturday, the Crimson Tide will welcome in Stephen F. Austin at 2 p.m., followed by a Sunday contest against Samford also at 2 p.m. Here's more from head coach Christy Curry. Understand what we need to do against Stephen F. and Samford, so we'll work a little bit against both of them. The one thing we're going to see this weekend from both teams is a lot of zone. So we're going to have to make really good choices about ball movement, changing size of the floor, getting the ball into the high post, making sure that we get our feet set and we don't take quick bad shots. I thought the first half we took a few quick shots instead of getting the best shot. Really good decisions against the zone. We're going to have to get stopped so we can get our transition game going and not play against the zone. So we need to do the things that we need to do. We're excited about the weekend, the opportunity, you know, to finish 13-2 and two before Christmas is the goal. I'll have more in a moment. Guthrie's was America's first chicken finger restaurant, and now Guthrie's Golden Fried Chicken Fingers is your Bama tailgate headquarters. Come by and get the best chicken fingers in the game. Make Guthrie's and their famous signature dipping sauce your one stop for all your tailgate parties this season. Call ahead, place your orders for game day. Guthrie's, America's original chicken finger restaurant and now an official partner of the Alabama Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com. We've also got you covered this weekend for Alabama men's basketball playing in Toronto, Canada against the Purdue Boilermakers. Our radio coverage from Toronto will start at 11.30 a.m. Central on Saturday, leading up to tip-off at 12.30 p.m. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Guthrie's. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide Here Friday leads us into another weekend here, holiday season time, and I know a lot of people are going to be out Christmas shopping today and uh, over the weekend, so be careful out there. It is uh, 9-14 here on the Gary Harris Show. We're going to jump out on the First Domain Condos hotline and welcome in our pal Corey over in Trustful. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Gary. How are you this morning? Doing all right. Well, first of all, um, Pittsburgh is just flat out awful. I mean, you lose, I mean, I'm not saying they were going to win the division, but you you lose to two of the worst teams at home. 
to Arizona and New England, and now you have Indianapolis, Seattle, Cincinnati, and uh, Baltimore left. I don't see them winning any of those games with the uh, the putrid offense Pittsburgh has, and while their defense is pretty good, you can't win games to play in defense in the NFL, and they had a chance to kind of close the gap against Baltimore. This is on Mike Tomlin. I mean, you, I know they fired Matt Canada, but this has been going on for like three or four years now. And I don't know if it's time to make a change because you can't just keep playing like this. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, the last two weeks, as you said, have been, uh, have been brutal and uh, games that they they should have won. And if they they win those games, then they are, uh, you know, they're in good shape. And, um, you know, they haven't done it. And now, you know, they look like a team that's going to be outside the playoffs if they don't uh, turn this thing around. And as you alluded to, Corey, when you struggle to score points, you put so much pressure on your defense. Uh, New England's another team that's similar, but yesterday or last night, New England, you know, they got those three touchdowns in the first half, and and that was enough because, again, they're playing a team that struggles offensively. And now with, you know, with um, their quarterback out, I, I don't know what – is going to happen for the Steelers, but they looked uh, they looked bad last night. There's no other way around it. And uh, you know, not only have they lost the last two weeks to bad teams, but they lost to them at home. And uh, you know that makes it uh, that makes it even worse. And uh, I don't know. You know, one thing about the Steelers is, as you know, following them, they don't make coaching changes very often. Uh, they have more coaching stability than any NFL team uh, in the in the in the league you know with uh, Chuck Noll to Bill Cowher to to Mike Tomlin and and that's been it you know they've had three coaches over like the last 50 plus years so I don't know that they're going to make a change in in that regard but I do know this um you're right on offense they're they're just not they're just not they're not playing well and um um you know you put so much pressure on your defense and and you know Mitch Trubisky was a former high draft pick by the the Bears, but there's a reason that he's now a backup. And, um, you know, they can't get the running game going at all. You know, Najee Harris, you know, a couple weeks ago after they let go of Matt Canada, he had a good game. But last night, I mean, he, you know, playing, you know, banged up, but he didn't do much. So I'm with you. They don't look like a good football team right now. You know, going to the high school games, um, were you surprised that Thompson lost, or did you think Central Phoenix City was the better team? Not surprised. And uh, after talking with a lot of people that I really respect in the high school ranks, um, they had told me that they thought Central Phoenix City was a better team. And then watching the game, uh, I agree with that. I think Central Phoenix City's better than Thompson. Thompson, you know, had a chance to win. It's not like they, you know, they went out there and folded their tent. They're a great program and, you know, great uh great team but central phoenix city is one of the few teams that i've seen that you know if you want to use the term it's really not a word but out athleted they out athleted thompson so watching the game i thought the better team won and it was a surprise watching the game that it was that close because central phoenix city really was their own worst enemy with mistakes turnovers they kept you know got a punt blocked you know kept uh you know kept thompson in the game and um you know thompson had a chance. You know, he missed a field goal with a little over two minutes to play that would have put him up 22-21. And, um, but, you know, I thought the best team won. 
you know, the thing that kind of kind of sticks in my craw is that receiver for, for Central, Central Phoenix City is going to Harvard, and he's one of the reasons why they won. And, you know, Harvard's now stacking up five stars now, and uh, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future under Hugh Freeze when he gets his recruits in. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, they're recruiting well, but they should recruit well. I mean, Auburn's a good program, and, um, you know, they got a lot of um, things to offer down there. You can't expect them just not to have talent. I mean, so, but, you know, a lot of people in this league recruit well, Corey. There, there's a lot that goes into winning, and uh, <clears throat> I think Hugh Freeze is a good coach, and I think he'll do some things down there. But, you know, I mean, they've recruited so poorly the last couple of years that, you know, uh, People seem to be shocked that they're recruiting well, but they should recruit well, man. I mean, that's just the that's just the reality of it. So, uh, but you know, they're still right now. They've lost four in a row to Alabama, and they got to come to Bryant Denny Stadium this year. So, you know, we'll see. Going back to the SEC championship, yes, it's great to get the win, but I feel like it should have been more. I mean, yeah, you, know, you get the fumble on from Georgia in week. Only get a field goal, and I'm, like, I'm not being sour grapes, but I'm just saying I'm looking at it from what we could have done. Like, could have blown it open a little bit more because, you know, when you go into the playoff, you have to convert those instead of field goals and the touchdowns because uh, that's what it's going to take to beat these teams. And um, but 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 very proud of Alabama winning the game and. Uh, I think that was a key turning point was getting the fumble and then them missing the field goal and uh, us running the clock out. And I think one thing Jalen Merrill did was play very smart. He didn't turn the ball over. And I think Georgia felt the pressure of winning. I think Alabama played very loose and free. Yeah, um, I'm with you there. I I thought, you know, I thought Alabama just, you know, after – Getting past Auburn in the Iron Bowl, surviving that game with a miraculous finish, being an underdog and going into Atlanta. You're right. I thought they did. I thought they did play free, and I thought they played with an attitude that we're here to win the game. I thought that was evidenced by the end of the second quarter there. When on the fourth and four, they went for it rather than trying to punt Georgia down deep. They didn't want to give Georgia the football back. It's ten to seven there at that point, and instead of going in ten to seven or you know Georgia getting the ball back, if they don't make that fourth down, Georgia gets it back in good field position. And instead of being ten to ten or down fourteen to ten, they were up seventeen to seven, and that's uh, that's really when they won the game. I thought, and then in the fourth quarter, after Georgia fought back again to make it a three point game, they never gave the ball back to them, and that was huge because Georgia. You know, Georgia got within three with about 240 to go in the game and had a couple timeouts left. <clears throat> if they get the ball back, they may have a chance to force overtime or or win the game, and Alabama wouldn't allow it. Jalen Milrow and company, they took it. They got the first downs. They ran the clock out and put the kneel down on it, and, you know, here we are. Alabama's uh, in the playoff and got a chance to win another national championship. So, you know, great, great, great win last week. What are your early impressions of this Rose Bowl? Well, I think Michigan's good. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you otherwise. I, I'm not going to fall into the trap of well, they're you know they're Michigan and Harbaugh doesn't coach well in the postseason and all this stuff. They're they're a good team. They're a veteran team. You know, they're a team that had a lot of guys come back 
uh, that could have gone on, and, and they came back so that they have a chance to do what they want to do, which is win a national championship. You know, they've been in the playoff now for three straight years, had that incredibly disappointing <laughs> upset loss to TCU last year. So I think they're on a mission. I think defensively they've got some speed that we don't normally associate with Big Ten teams. I think they've got, uh, you know, uh, a very athletic team and a sound team and a physical team, and I think they'll be a difficult matchup for Alabama. But I think, you know, my opinion right now, I think Alabama's a better football team than Michigan. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm sure you may have heard that they have some problems on the offensive line. I think we can take advantage of that. And then, while, yes, their strength is mainly their running back, Blake Corum, they want to ugly this game up and mainly put Alabama's off, keep Alabama's offense on the sideline and make this in the 20s. I think uh, it, not, not a shootout, but at the higher scoring this game goes, the more it favors Alabama. But also, I think Alabama also has an advantage on Alabama's offensive line because we can kind of put pound them in a submission and force them to do things they want to do because if they get to get if they have to get to where they have to throw the ball more often i feel like that can lead some turnover for them and i think that uh this should get out of hand because like i said they want to control the game on the ground and they want to limit our possessions and get this game into a low scoring game yeah, you know, I, I definitely don't think they want to shoot out. And, uh, you know, Corum is a very effective downhill runner, and, and they want to control the football. They're going to throw it some now. I mean, um, you know, they're not going to be a just a run-it-only type team, and I think they recognize they're going to have to score some points. But you're right. I don't think they want to get into an up-and-down type of game. I think they want to have ball control. That's what they've been. That's who they are. Um, but they're a good team. But, again, I, th- I think Jalen Milrow right now is a is an X factor. He's very hard to defend. There's so many different ways that he can hurt you. And I think Alabama uh, is playing its best football at the right time. I think they're peaking, and I think they'll be ready to go, and I think they'll get the win. Yeah, I agree. I just, I'm just trying to figure out who I think we should play from the other side. Because on the one hand, do you want to play Washington, Michael Penix Jr., which it's probably the better matchup, or do you want to? play Steve Sarkeesian in Texas and it's hard to beat a team twice but there's a reason why they beat us and that's a tough offense and defense to defend so we'll have to see who comes down the other side yeah, of course. I think that uh, at this point, Corey, I, I I don't think it matters. You just you you want to beat Michigan, and then you'll worry about who you play. I think they'll you know be thrilled to play either one of them. Obviously, if you play Texas, you get an opportunity in a rematch to get a little payback. Although it's going to be in Houston, which will give Texas a huge home field advantage. If you play Washington, you're talking about another unbeaten team with a dynamic quarterback. So, uh, but you know they want to beat Michigan, and they'll you know they'll be more than happy to play either one of those teams. I can promise you that. Hey, great call, Corey. Yeah, good to talk to you, Gary. Roll time. Good to talk to you, Corey, joining us here from Trustful this morning. And uh, always a pleasure to talk with him. You know, he asked me about, uh, and I kind of let the cat out of the bag. I'm I'm leaning toward, obviously, uh, you know, I'm not going to make an exact pick anytime soon here. We've got, you know, still about three weeks to the game. But um, a little more than three weeks. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm leaning toward Alabama. I really am. I, um, uh, I just think that, um, and I think, as I said, I think Michigan's a really good team. I think Harbaugh's a good coach, and I think that they've been working hard um, to get to the point where they win a national championship, and they've showed the type of improvement that teams sometimes make before they win it all. You know, this is their third time in a row in the playoff. It's their third straight win over Ohio State. Uh, They've got playoff experience. 
Yes, they've lost in the semifinals the last two years, two years ago to Georgia. And then last year, of course, you know, that, that loss to TCU is one that will probably stick in their craw for a long, long time. But, Gary, what about the cheating scandal? Yeah, yeah, they got the cheating scandal hanging over them. But you know what? Um, that's going to kind of that'll, – that'll be brought back up once we get ready for the game. But, you know, as far as how it's going to impact the game, it's not. So, I mean, for Alabama – that's something that's, uh, as Nate Saban would say, that's outside noise. That's something he doesn't, you know, even want to worry about. I guess as far as whether they deserve to be here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people that question that. You know, like I said, there's a lot of people that question Alabama for being here. Not because of cheating, but just mad because Alabama got in and Florida State didn't. So there's a lot of there's a lot of animosity toward Alabama right now. Obviously, as you said, Noah, there's a lot of animosity toward Michigan because of the sign-stealing uh, situation. So maybe this is the game where you've got two teams that, you know, not anybody likes. But uh, they're two of the... Biggest names in college football, though. Two of the biggest brands, two winningest programs in the history of the sport. And um, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great game and a great setting for the Rose Bowl. So looking forward to it. All right, it is uh, 9.27 here on the Gary Harris Show. We're going to take a timeout. And uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by a new member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, former Pickens Academy Pirate, former Auburn Tiger, former Major League Baseball player, Scott Sullivan will join us next to break down his career and uh, his thoughts on being selected for induction into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. We'll do that next right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. It's time to ring in the new year right. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meet and 3 special Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Get a meet and three vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. TGIF edition rolls on here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTVC Thought to Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen, an appropriate lead-in song to our next guest who is uh, going to be inducted into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame this coming spring. And uh, 
terrific honor to be in uh, to be in your home state hall of fame and and scott sullivan folks up in pickens county will remember him from his pickens academy pirates days as scotty sullivan but uh, born in tuscaloosa raised in west alabama went on to pitch for the auburn tigers and then uh, had a nine-year major league career where he was one of the top relievers in baseball with the cincinnati reds also had stints with the chicago white Sox and the kansas city royals and as i said now waiting for induction into the uh, alabama sports hall of fame as he was uh, selected for induction early this month and Scott Sullivan joins us to talk all about his career what he's doing now and uh, his excitement at uh, going into the ASHOF good morning Scott how are you hey good morning Gary it's a privilege to be on the show I tell you it was a nice lead in uh well done but also I got to hear a lot of Crimson Tide talk and I started looking <laughs> over my shoulder you know being an Auburn grad and and over here living in Auburn Alabama but it's an absolute pleasure to be on your show thank you for giving me a call well you you know before we get into your baseball career I guess that's an interesting aspect and there's obviously people that that grow up um in southeast Alabama, around Auburn University, and, and come to Alabama. But having sure. been a you know born in Tuscaloosa, having been raised in Pickens County, and then you wind up going to Auburn. Uh, I guess you've kind of seen uh, the rivalry from both sides, so to speak. I, I have, you know, I have a, a you know a lot of great memories of growing up in West Alabama and Gary. You know, realistically, we had to go to Tuscaloosa to do anything. Yeah. Um, you know, ha- having a nice dinner at the Cypress Inn or somewhere similar to that, or, or going just to get a, a part for the dryer or wash machine. You know, we had to go to Tuscaloosa. So being exposed in that environment is, uh, you know, some wonderful friends that live in Tuscaloosa, and it's a, you know, a great place to be from and had a lot of family and friendships over there that supported me through my career and, and very grateful to be um, associated with that area of our state. Yeah, no doubt about it. And growing up uh, and, uh, you know, going to Pickens Academy in Carrollton, where you were a terrific athlete, great football player too, I want to mention, and uh, obviously an awesome baseball player. And we, you know, Pickens County is one of those counties, man. As you said, there's not a lot to do, but there's sports. <laughs> you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's Pickens they County, are, Gordo, Gary. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. know, we, the, the Pickens County has produced a, a tremendous amount of athletes. You know, we're just, just country folks that mm-hmm. come from families that work hard and, and try to be impactful in the community and the church and that environment and the school environment. And you just played ball. You love to compete. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if it was throwing rocks or, um, racing down the road or uh, trying to dig a hole with a, you know, a, a shovel. You you just competed in every aspect of life, and it just really was a natural carryover into in our sports arena. So growing up playing ball and playing all sports and being good at all of them and just you know wanting to win for your team and and you know like so many of us in high school we're just we're just loving playing ball and I'm a little bit older than you but you're old enough that you know when we were growing up uh, you know you didn't think a lot about pro sports or probably even college sports but as you got into high school and um you started to excel when did you have an inkling when did you know that you might have an opportunity to play baseball beyond the a high school level you know gary that's a really good question you know i had a lot of uh family and a lot of community sport in in pickens and you know i was uh, under a lot of great coaches over there and and one of those coaches was lynn wright he was mm-hmm. our headmaster and and football coach, baseball coach, basketball coach, and grass cutter and everything else. And it was a wonderful mentor, uh, not only me, but so many of our athletes that, that came through that area. And, 
you know, he did everything he possibly could to get anybody that had any aspirations to play in at a higher level, um, you know, wrote letters, made phone calls. But, you know, we were just such a small school and, and things have changed. You know, it was no, not, um, no, not much video or anything like that, mm-hmm. Gary, to put out or, you know, any, any media uh, sources to promote our kids. So it was a lot of word and mouth and and, and and we didn't we didn't get a lot of exposure, but you know that's a really good question. I had a desire to play higher because I I loved the I loved playing ball. I loved competing. I loved my teammates. Um, loved every everything about it. But um, it was a little um, challenging path at times. But I uh, just kept my head down and and um, a lot of support from like I said from the community and family and others that was able to play a little bit. You know, I went to Mary Military Institute after college cause, um, or after high school because they're the really only team that would have let me play baseball. <laughs> and then I had to walk on at Auburn, and, and things really got it uh, interesting and exciting and all that kind of good stuff at, at Auburn when they dropped my arm slot down. And, you know, was able to make it a little easier uh, to get a couple of people out. And But, you know, it, I, I was such, I was so green, Gary, you know, just a country boy that all we did was work and, and play ball and, and go to church and uh, feed cows in the morning and, you know, cut hay in the summertime and um, uh, grind feed and, and, you know, had a garden. I remember um, one time my, my stepfather had a little Chevrolet love, Gary, and had a little stick shift that usually I could play in the yard and hear that thing kind of gearing down as he was climbing the hill to the house. But one time I, I didn't um, didn't hear it, and I was throwing a, a ball up against the house. Mm-hmm. And and, the, and when I recognized he was close, I heard the door slam. And he here he comes, and he says, let me tell you something, son. I don't know what you expect to eat this winter. It's sure not going to be baseballs. You better get your butt in the garden. So that was kind of the environment I grew up in, Gary, that you, you worked. And, That's right. And, and baseball and sports was a relief to get off the farm, you know, and, and be able to compete and be with your teammates. And, and it, was a, it was a great environment. You mentioned the arm slot. So let's go ahead and, and get to that because that would be your trademark in the big league. So um, I take it based on what you said that in high school you threw overhand. Um with a normal delivery and you mentioned you got to Auburn, where did that come from? Um, you know, was it Hal Baird? Who was it that, that said, Hey, we want you to start kind of going sidearm or submarine or whatever they refer to it as, uh, with that unique delivery. You know, I, um, really neat story, Gary, you know, coming out of Marion, uh, we, we needed some financial help and to go through college and, I had an ROTC scholarship that I was about to take, but it, but I tried to walk on and was able to make the team and, and was through, through straight over the top and told them I was a pitcher. And that's what I walked on as because I had a little velocity. And and Coach Baird, uh, later on, he admitted that, that he took me because I looked durable, Gary, and I threw right over the top, um, nice and slow and straight and thought that, during inner squad, I could give his real athletes, the hitters, a lot of confidence going into the season. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, that, that was a brutal, honest comment by Coach Baird, but it really happened. I was out in left field um, shagging balls, and there was a baseball that got behind me on a warning track, and Coach Baird hollered out there and said, 
hey, Sully, be careful. You know, there's a ball behind you. Don't step on it and twist an ankle. And, Gary, I I picked up the ball and, and threw it into our ball boy that was behind second, behind the screen, a sidearm. And he saw it and immediately called the catcher and told him to get his gear on. And we got in the bullpen and started working, Gary, and the, and the velocity picked up and wow. the movement picked up, and it just really became natural. And and then as uh, one of the uh, signature days in, in the, my growth and enjoyment of, of college was that, you know, he told me he's going to put me on scholarship. And that allowed me to stay in school without having to take a ROTC scholarship and continue to, to play baseball for Auburn and compete in the SEC, which is, a, of course, a, there's no higher competition in our country than, than the SEC level. That's right. And, and get some experience, you know, and being from Pickens County and working all the time, we didn't go many places. I think that the nicest restaurant at that time in high school that I'd ever been to was Quincy's, I think, in, you know, in Tuscaloosa, Gary. I think they rolls. had the big, the big fat yeast roll. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was, that was a highlight of our restaurant experience. Um, so we, we just, we just ate at home and, and worked and, and, um, and stayed together as a family. So coming over to Auburn was a, was a big deal for me and, and something that tremendously impacted the, me and my career and, um, and, and the growth. Yeah, no doubt about it. So you go with the, the sidearm delivery and boy, it, it happens for you. You know, you start, uh, uh, you, you, you are effective, you're a prospect and not only do you get an opportunity to play professional baseball, but you got drafted in the second round. So, you know, you might have to walk on, you might have to go to MMI and walk on at Auburn, but by the time, you know, it came around for the draft, you were a highly thought-of pitching prospect, and the Cincinnati Reds took you um, number 62 overall. You know, I was grateful for that. So my first year, my junior year, my draft eligible year, I had some arm problems, and and all of that was really from my football days. I had some bone spurs that loosened up and, and was causing me some issues, and they took those out. So my junior was not very effective at Auburn, but I still got drafted by the Brewers, and I, I turned that down to stay in college and was able to get my degree and then get drafted by the Reds and, and spent seven years up there. And, and it was a lot of fun. You know, going through the minor leagues was not um, at times a lot of fun, uh, but you got to the big leagues, and it was well worth it. You know, my I was married at the time, and, was able to share that journey with 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 my beautiful bride, which is uh, from Marengo County. So mm-hmm. we both West Alabama folks, and um, she was wonderful and is wonderful. And all of our children were born in Cincinnati, Gary. So all my children, actually, my third, my second child, was born on opening day of 2000. So that was a lot of fun to to give birth to to my daughter, and about nine o'clock in the morning, and. And I was pitching about two thirty that afternoon against the Brewers, so that was a that was a, a a fun day. But Cincinnati was great. I got to to travel and experience some things that I never would have been able to do otherwise, and play with some pretty good athletes. I had a I could look over my right shoulder and see a guy named Barry Larkin <laughs> that was a Hall of Famer, and played with him for seven years, of course. And then if I look a little further, it was a guy named Ken Griffey Jr. that was pretty good player um 
had some other guys that I had the opportunity. One of the hot names now is Deion Sanders. You know, I was with Deion's teammate for a couple of years, and and that was a lot of fun. But had some wonderful teammates. Aaron Boone was my third baseman over there, great friend and wonderful teammate. Sean mm-hmm. Casey, and Jason Larue, and others, and Jeff Brantley uh, from Mississippi State. Right. Uh, he really took care of me. I bet he bought me several thousand dollars worth of breakfasts and lunches and that kind of thing and just took took care of me and kind of mentored me and that was that was a blessing to have that SEC connection. So been very thankful for the journey, Gary. You were known for your durability um in, in the Reds bullpen and you know just consistent um course later on i guess we'll get to that maybe with the the sidearm delivery it it took a toll on you but um just being reliable being a guy that that a club can count on and you know you had a career era under four um you had a win-loss record of 40 and 28 which is which is excellent for a guy who's you know coming in out of the pen and uh just just speak to that scott in regards to once you get into big leagues um you know being a, a solid pro, being a guy that the club can count on, being a clubhouse leader, all those things that you did during your time with the Reds. Well, uh, you know, I, I think it progressed. You know, when I got up there, Gary, you know, I had some, it was in 1995, my my first trip to the big leagues, and, and the Reds went on to make the playoffs. And I think they they got, they beat Los Angeles that year and then got beat out by the Braves and the Braves went on to the world series in 95, if I remember correctly, and had a, a veteran team, uh, had Ron Gann on that team from the Braves and Eric Davis and, and others. And, um, you know, just getting up there and getting uh, quote unquote comfortable and, and understanding that, you know, if you've got the stuff, um, if you make the pitches and, and compete, it's gonna, you'll get a couple of people out. It's, it's the same, same game. Uh, but, you know, as far as the durability is concerned, you know, I, I tried to stay, stay in shape and, and, and stay healthy, but the, I guess the innings, Gary, was just because when the phone rang, I wanted to pitch. Yeah, that's right. You know, and I wanted to compete and, and, you know, several times that, you know, there's probably, uh, I probably shortened my career to be honest with you, because there are some times that probably I, I shouldn't have pitched, but, you know, they asked for volunteers or somebody that wanted the ball and. And I was like, I'm pitching. You know, that's what I'm getting paid for, paid to do. And so I, I enjoyed, enjoyed competing. But, you know, that's what you want. You know, when that phone rings in that bullpen and, and anticipation, you see that bullpen coach answer it. And, I mean, you want to be, be a guy that, that um, they're asking for. And, and some of my coaches in Cincinnati found favor in me. And I was very thankful for that and, and tried to do the best I could with, with uh, the stuff I had that day, which, you know, it's a long season up there, Gary. You know, so it's, it's some days you have your best stuff and some days you have your worst. But, you know, what I tried to do every every time was, was compete for what I had. Yeah. During your time, you played for several different managers, and all of them are well-known and renowned baseball people. Um, David Johnson, I guess, had – I don't know if he was there when you first came up, but he had managed the Reds and – and then uh, Ray Knight, who'd been a great player for sure. the Reds, and Trader Jack McKeon, Bob Boone. Sure. I mean, these are all legendary baseball names, and I guess that's part of being a big leaguer is your, uh, you know, the associations that you have. But uh, out of all those managers, uh, you know, who did you enjoy playing for the most? Well, all, all of them were, were were good to me, Gary, and and you know, I I think 
you, it is probably reversed. It's the it's it's the your your years that you were the most successful probably is the is the managers you like the most, right? And the teams you like to be on, and that was probably Jack McGeehan. You know, under his tutelage, I guess, and leadership of the Reds. You know, I was uh, I, it, I was um, mature in my career and had some really good years. In 1999, we made a made the playoffs against the Mets and and won 96 games there. Unfortunately, just for us, we were in the league with Houston, and Houston had the killer bees with Bagwell and Biggio and Bell and Berkman, and man, they were really really solid. So I think they won about 100 games that year and and won the league, but um, 99 was a lot of fun. Um, and there were some some guys that a lot of people didn't know outside of Larkin. Um, we just came together and really played some some good baseball and and had a had a really nice team. And those couple years were were pretty good runs for me. You know, I was healthy and we were competing well in the league. And you know, being in the NL Central, Gary. You know, we played. Um, all those teams 19 times a year. So coming against Sammy Sosa with the Cubs and Mark McGuire with St. Louis. And of course, during those years, they were um, um, hitting a lot of balls and really, really far. So being a right-handed pitcher competing against those, those guys were a lot of fun. And as they went through um, chasing the home run records and, and those are some pretty good memories. Oh, absolutely. What a, what a career. Um, when it started, you know, later in your career, obviously you weren't ready to, to hang it up yet. So you had stints with the White Sox and, and the Royals to kind of finish it up. Um, you know, having been a career member of the Cincinnati Reds and then uh, finishing up with two other clubs, what was that like for you? Well, it's tough to, you know, the Reds was, it was home for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the team I got drafted with. A lot of my relationships were there, but you know, the ground is always shifting up there, Gary. Um, you know, you're up against a situation age-wise that you just can't play forever. And um, my body started breaking down. You know, a lot of the side armors have back problems. Uh, you've got a linear rotation or linear movement under uh, with your legs, and then you've got a rotational movement with the upper body, and there's a pivot point that usually gets us all, and, and I was not immune to that, unfortunately. Right. And so I started having, um, you know, some breakdowns in, in Kansas City, and that was a, you know, a tough stretch. You know, there were some really good people out there in the Midwest, and that was a, a good fit for me, because it was only, you know, 14 hours or so away from, away from home, and um, the travel's not bad. But unfortunately, I didn't add a lot of value to the team at that time, and and we were young, and that was one of the most frustrating stretches, you know, mentally when an athlete gets to a point where, you know, his mind is telling his body to do something and your body just can't do it. And, and you're seem like I was backing up third base a lot, Gary, unfortunately. And, you know, a lot being a young team and being a, an older uh, athlete and um, a teammate, you wanted to instill a lot of wisdom and, and help those young kids grow. Um, but that was limited due to my lack of success with Kansas City. And I, and I hate it for them because there were some really good people out there and had some wonderful teammates and Mike Sweeney and Carlos Beltran and, and others that, and I just couldn't um, physically get it done, but uh, uh, ended up having a spinal fusion surgery and coming home and being a um, husband and a father, and, and, and which I 
it's a pleasure to be. So what are, what are you, in addition to, to your, your duties as, you know, raising children and being a husband, what are you doing now? What, where, what is Scott Sullivan involved in right now at the, at the current time? Well, I, I, um, you know, once I healed up from back surgery, they had a gentleman at Auburn named Tommy Slater that was kind enough to ask me to come and coach with him at Auburn university. And, and I went over there one year with him and, um, and did such a great job. I got fired there. <laughs> so we, we all got fired, Gary. But, you know, I met a uh, a fellow coach there named uh, Butch Thompson. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, Butch is leading the program over here now. And, and man, he is just a a man of substance. I, I really, really enjoy him. He's one of my best friends. And, and thankful that we have a man of his caliber leading our program and, and investing in our student athletes here at Auburn. And, um. So I went to I coached at Opelika High School a little bit, um, but in my back, you know, just throwing BP and hitting fungos and trying to invest in the kids, um, it was starting to cause me some issues. So I'm, I have a little real estate company over here, Gary, so I, I love to serve others and trying to find them some land or, you know, some recreational property or timberland property where they can invest and in, not only invest in financially, but in, into their families, a lot like what I grew up doing in in west alabama riding four-wheelers and fishing and enjoying the outdoors and and you know there's a lot of good men um in pickens county that invested in me and mm-hmm. you know you just you just don't understand it you're so young and you you get invited to to go on these men's farms and you know spend a lifetime developing it and maturing it and and and, and for them to uh invest in a whole young fellow like me was very impactful but i just didn't have the the maturity to really understand it at that level gary but you know now i try to do that a lot um, that's why we're so fortunate in the state of alabama to have um just wonderful schools and administrators and coaches that that pour into our kids you know that that's the most impactful time in somebody's life i mean you've got your family that love you you got your coaches that that are that love you the administrators are supporting you you know, get into college is a lot of fun, but it, it becomes business in a hurry. And then obviously in pro mm-hmm. ball, it's, I mean, you, you're dealing with grown men yeah, and, and tough decisions and, and, uh, um, it's just, it's just different. So coming in from that West Alabama area where people are very supportive of each other and, um, very much family oriented, it's, it's a great place to grow up. Well, Scott, listen, you know how this works in the radio business. We're up against the clock. But my final sure. question, and you're going to have to try to do it in like 30 seconds for me, what does it mean to be inducted into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame? Well, it's really kind of, Gary, to be honest, kind of comical in the fact that you look at the other people in there, Satchel Page and and Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and Joe May and Clay Carroll and Bo Jackson and all those guys, and that's just the baseball people not counting all the great football people and administrators of the state is, uh, is very honoring to, to have a Sullivan in there. And I'm very thankful for that. You know, uh, well, Scott Myers and his staff do a wonderful job over there. And we're, we're great to have such a hall of fame to represent and, um, honor the well, athletes of, of our state. You've earned it. And I'm one of the voters and I can say, you know, we're excited to, to welcome you into the hall of fame here next year. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you, Gary. Enjoyed it. Yes, sir. All right. Great uh, interview there and in, in conversation with Scott Sullivan. We'll take a break and come back and wrap up this first hour right after this. 
Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Patterson Comer. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny today. The high in the mid-60s, around 65. Mostly cloudy tonight. The chance of isolated showers, the low 53. Mild and breezy tomorrow. A chance of showers during the day. Strong storms arrive tomorrow night. The high 71. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Oh for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 9.56, The Cure. Friday, I'm in love is our first hour getaway song. This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. We're coming back with the second hour of the Gary Harris Show. We're going to get it kicked off with Ashley Johnston, Alabama gymnastics coach as they get ready for their crimson and white preview meet tonight inside Coleman Coliseum. Also, Ellis Johnson at 1030. So keep it dialed in to the Gary Harris Show right here. Hour number two is on the way. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Kevin Wired. We have some news regarding the potential free agency signing of superstar Shohei Otani. John Paul Morosi tweeting earlier this morning that his signing is, quote, imminent and could happen as soon as today. It's been rumored that the front runners are the L.A. Dodgers and the Toronto Blue Jays. In Thursday night football last night, Patriots upend the Steelers 21-18, knocking Pittsburgh out of a playoff spot. Bailey Zappi. Three first-half touchdowns in the win as the Steelers now 7-6 and six and on the outside looking in. Lakers demolished the Pelicans 133-89 in the in-season tournament. They advanced to the finals where they'll face the Indiana Pacers. LeBron James at 30 points. Anthony Davis 16 points and 15 rebounds. The Pacers, for their part, get into the finals by beating the Milwaukee Bucks 128-119. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news, only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. The University of Alabama excelled as the host of the fourth GOP primary presidential debate Wednesday, even if our region didn't come up much in the two-hour battle between Republican candidates. The Sunday night police shooting of a semi-famous West Alabama man is only getting stranger as state police said Thursday he has only just been pronounced dead. And lastly, be on the lookout for the threat of severe weather in our area this Saturday afternoon through the pre-dawn hours of Sunday morning. For the details on these stories and more, get connected at TuscaloosaThread.com. For the latest local news in Tuscaloosa, Alabama Sports Updates. 
and severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Here we go. I'm going to the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. This hour of the program is being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Remember Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. Feet on the ground in West Alabama serving you and uh, going the distance with you. And uh, remember, if you uh, choose Patterson Comer and they choose you, there's never any money out of pocket. You don't pay them unless they collect for you. Paul's in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-3939. If you're looking for personal injury attorneys, I recommend these guys. The commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And we are going to jump out of the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline and welcome in the head gymnastics coach of the University of Alabama, Ashley Johnston, as she's getting ready for the upcoming season. And it really kind of kicks off tonight with the Crimson and White preview meet, 6 p.m. inside Coleman Coliseum. The event is free and all fans will serve, uh, have an opportunity and uh, to see this Final sneak peek at this season's team before competition begins in January. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great, thanks. It's great to be here and get to talk about Crimson and White tonight. Yeah, absolutely, because you've got uh, you got a squad. I know you're excited about the upcoming season. Got a good group of returnees plus a really highly rated recruiting class. And tonight is an opportunity for Bama fans, as I said, to get, uh, get their uh, first look at what uh, they're going to be seeing coming up in 2024. Absolutely. It's going to be a great opportunity for our team to get out there, to perform in front of a crowd. It's always so great to see our fans, see our supporters, and there's a little bit for everybody tonight. Of course, it's a great opportunity for our team to get that final prep work before season, but it's also great for families to get to come. Um, There's going to be photos with Santa and hot chocolate and just a fun time for the kids and for our students. We're really excited because We've actually changed our seating a little bit this year and mirrored what men's basketball has done. And so our our students will be able to be right there on the floor. We brought in Crimson Chaos this week and got to teach them some of our cheers. And so we're just really looking forward to a great night with everybody. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that this is going to be about entertainment as well as competition tonight. Because I know that uh, it's a lot for the, the young people to do. It's the holidays. But it is competition. And there's a lot of pride on this squad. And uh, it'll be friendly competition. But I'm sure that the two squads, uh, however they're broken up, are going to be competing to, to try to win this meet. 100%. We've got a really competitive group. And we always say that we want to be that program that's fiercely competitive but has a lot of fun doing it. And so I think you, you'll you be able to see that tonight. We've got our Crimson team, our white team, divided up as even evenly as we possibly can. And it's going to be judged on sticks tonight. So really, whatever team sticks the most landings, that's going to be the team to win because in college gymnastics, that is one of the most valuable things that our judges are looking for. And it's something that our crowd can really rally behind and be able to see if somebody stuck or didn't. 
And so uh, we're excited to kind of provide a little education on that tonight mm-hmm. and for our fans to really be a part of that perfect 10 stuck landing. Ashley, let's talk about your, your roster because you're going to benefit from four super seniors coming back, taking the COVID year. So you're going to have some really great experience, young ladies that have been in the, the heat of battle. And then you've got a highly rated recruiting class, as I mentioned. So you're going to have a blend of, of, of experience, four super seniors, as well as three regular seniors. And then you got some newcomers coming in. Uh, what is this roster looking like as it comes together? And, and what's the potential of this team? We've got a really talented roster. Like you said, we've got three really highly ranked freshmen that are joining our squad this year. And uh, we Phone Gremlins got us, it appears. And we've got, of course, a really talented... Of course, we've got a really talented senior group as well. Um, A lot of accomplishments that they have... Um, been a part of up to this point and so collectively it's a really balanced squad um, and I think they're really capable of anything right now of course we always want to be on the floor the final night of competition with an opportunity to win a championship and tonight is going to be a great first peak at starting that journey you're at one of the most tradition-laden programs in in the country uh six national championships with Sarah and David Patterson you you know, you know what it's like to be a, a gymnast here. But uh, we discussed this last year. Collegiate gymnastics has changed a lot for the better. I mean, there are a lot more teams that are capable of winning a national championship than there were just 10 years ago and certainly 20, 25 years ago. So it's a more competitive sport. There are more universities that are putting resources into collegiate gymnastics, and therefore it's tougher. Uh, To get Alabama back, you said, you know, you want to have an opportunity to compete on the final night. To get Alabama back to the point where it can can compete for a national championship and, and ultimately ultimately win one. Uh, How close are you to that, do you think? You're absolutely right. There's a lot of parity in our sport right now, and it's really a great thing for college gymnastics. You're seeing more and more NCAA gymnasts compete at the Olympic level. Of course, we have one of those athletes on our very own team, Luisa Blanco, who just qualified to the Paris Olympics for Columbia. And so, um, you know, that I think volume out the lens and ability and I believe we can compete with study in history, but of course, not just physical practices, also a lot of Ashley, we're having some, some phone issues with you. Uh, are you still there? I'm so it's like we're in an echo chamber. Um, Noah, do you have any idea on that end? What should we just? I could try giving her a call back. Yeah, Ashley, hold tight. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna call you back because I I'm, we're having a hard time understanding you. So hold tight, coach, and let Noah just call you right back here, and let's see if we can figure out what's going on because it's uh, we weren't able to weren't able to hear you there and um, try to get you back on and uh finish this yeah she may just be in a place where her connection's kind of goofy yeah it might have just been might have just gone bad we were visiting with ashley johnson alabama gymnastics coach and um getting ready for the upcoming season we're going to try to get her back on and we've got um the coach ellis johnson sec football coming up at uh 10 30 with coach let's see if we can get uh, is that is she back all right let's try this again <laughs> ashley you there 
I can hear you. Yeah, yes, sir. That's, I'm that's, so sorry. That's better. We we lost you in some type of echo chamber or something. It was it was crazy. But pick back up. You were just talking about the parity in collegiate gymnastics and the challenge of trying to get this Alabama program back to the top. That's right. You know, there's a lot of parity across the different programs right now, and it's really a great opportunity to compete at the highest level. And of course, we have our very own Luisa Blanco on our team who just qualified to the Paris Olympics for Columbia. And, um, you know, I think that just speaks volumes about the talent of this squad. Um, You know, of course, we've got returners, Makari Doggett, who is an SEC champion, Shania Adams, also an SEC champion, and then a really, a really amazing freshman group that is fired up and ready to be a part of creating history. So, it's definitely a squad that the uh, Tuscaloosa community is going to want to come out and check out and, and get to see what we're all about. The fact that you competed here and you won a national championship here, the last one of those six that we talked about in 2012, um, is that an advantage? I mean, coaches have success at schools where they didn't compete and they weren't an athlete, but to have been a part of national championship teams here in 2011 and 2012 and, um, now to be the head coach, uh, you know, is that is that something you consider to be an advantage to coach at the school where you were an athlete? You know, I absolutely think that experience is valuable, um, not just because I've been able to be a part of it, but I also know that our, our Tuscaloosa community knows how to rally around a championship run. And, and that's not just in gymnastics, but of course it's in softball and football and in all of our other programs across Alabama athletics. And so I think having a, a fan base that also understands how hard it is to go on a championship run and how important it is to be able to show up and cheer on our ladies and um, and know that they are a part of being a difference maker in that journey. And so I do think it's a huge exp- or a huge advantage um, to have that perspective. But more than anything, it's about being a part of a program that has been there and understands how much work goes into being a part of a championship team. Can you discuss your upcoming schedule with us and uh, what it's uh, shaping up like? Yeah, we have a really great schedule ahead. Um, it's tough. I will say that. It's definitely tough. We're starting our season off competing in Las Vegas at a Super 16 competition where um, some of the best of the best teams will be there. Our matchup will be kind of a rivalry matchup. So we'll be competing against Auburn, UCLA, and Cal. And so it'll be really tough competition. Of course, an Auburn-Alabama matchup is always a big mm-hmm. one. And um, so we're starting our season off with that. And um, coming after that competition, we're going to be home against Missouri, Arkansas, and then going on the road against Florida. So that kind of rounds out our month of January. And then it just continues to be um, some of the best competition in the country week after week. We close out our season on the road against defending national champions Oklahoma before uh, taking on SEC championship in March. So it's going to be a really great schedule. Um, Fans are going to want to go get your tickets now. Um, Our Power of Pink meet this year is going to be against Georgia. And, of course, that's always a great rivalry matchup as well. So we're looking forward to a really difficult, challenging schedule because I believe um, that type of preparation is really what makes you ready to go in those big moments come postseason time frame. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And you mentioned the fans. Uh, 
keeping them engaged. You've got as good a fan support for gymnastics as there is in the country and another great season coming up. And again, folks, it all really begins tonight because this is an opportunity at 6 p.m. to see these gymnasts in action. It's free to all the fans and uh, kids are encouraged to wear Christmas pajamas. There will be pre-meet pictures with Santa. So it's a family-friendly event. And at the same time, it's about competition. Coach, um, thank you so much for joining us in in our closing couple of minutes here. Just uh, a message to those fans, if you will, in regards to uh, making sure that they're a big part of Alabama gymnastics this season. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, to our fans, to our supporters, I mean, there is really no place in the country that is like competing in Coleman Coliseum. And that's because of our fans. They are difference makers. And everybody from returning season ticket holders to new families to our student section. Um, It really is the most amazing experience. And I know I can speak for our team when they say that they still get chills every time they get to walk out into that arena and to be able to see our fans sitting in the stands. Um, You all make us feel so loved and appreciated and excited to compete for this community. And so please, Show up, be a part of it, and um, just know that you really are a difference maker for us. And roll tide. Absolutely. And folks, get out there tonight for that Crimson and White preview meet beginning at 6 p.m. Free to all the fans. Thank you so much, Coach. Thank you so much. Roll Tide. All right. Ashley Johnson, Alabama Gymnastics coach with us. And, uh, boy, she's got a really good team and a chance to see them tonight as they get ready for the upcoming season. And uh, their goal is to compete for a national championship. Get out there tonight to Coleman Coliseum. All right. uh, Before we get to the break, I want to remind you about uh, the great stuff going on at the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. The new cardio equipment is in. It's installed. It is uh, state-of-the-art. Everything that you want with individual TV screens, on-demand fitness programming, streaming and Bluetooth capability, and uh, so many great uh, aspects of the YMCA. The sense of community that you get there, I encourage you to go by and check it out at uh, 2300 13th Street downtown. That's the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. Find out more at ymcatuscaloosa.org. And we'll be back with phone calls wide open on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. We've got uh, Coach Ellis Johnson at... 1030, but we're open for phone calls in the next segment. So give us a ring on this TGIF edition of the Gary Harris Show. We'll keep it rocking and rolling. And uh, Noah's going to crank back up with some Christmas music coming back out of the next segment. So stay with us. Okay, next time you're at the store. I dare you. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny today, the high in the mid-60s, around 65. Mostly cloudy tonight, the chance of isolated showers, the low 53. Mild and breezy tomorrow, a chance of showers during the day. Strong storms arrive tomorrow night, the high 71. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Alabama fans are all over the world, and we are too. Download the Tide 100.9 app right now in the App Store and Google Play, and take the Crimson Tide everywhere you go. Well, the Crimson Tide, 
Christmas songs during the holidays is Elvis Christmas songs during the holiday. Uh, no, why don't you tell us about the big Elvis show coming up? That's right. Uh, so Elvis, uh, I guess you could say Christmas songs, Elvis songs. Um, we're going to have an Elvis tribute artist, Jerome Jackson. He's uh, quite good. Uh, quite good at doing the voice and everything. Uh, impersonating Elvis. He's going to be here next week, uh, Friday. So in a, I guess in just about a week here, December 15th, 7 p.m. at Drew City Music Hall. DrewCityMusicHall.com for tickets. 25 a piece. 25 bucks a piece. Um, go see a good show. Packed it out last last year. We're, they're looking to do it again. So go take a take a look at that DrewCityMusicHall.com and uh, you can see Elvis. You can see Drum Jackson maybe singing this song right here that we have been playing. Yeah. All right, man. Let's jump out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts Hotline and welcome in our friend Tom. Hey, Tom. Gary, 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 how are you this morning, my friend? Doing well, thank you. I tell you what, you've gone above and beyond, and I—you already know—I have a bar that you have set very high that uh, you have exceeded again. Well, thanks. And that is—that is with the interview with Scott Sullivan. What an outstanding freaking job! That was on that interview. I mean, you got everything out of that interview that Scott is all about. I mean, hats off to you. People need to sit down and study. Study how you did that interview because it is one for the ages. Well, Tom, I, I appreciate it. I don't know what to say to that. I, I know this. It's uh, it's Just fun. Say thank you. That'll be enough. Well, thank you. It's fun interviewing a guy that uh, is is a guy like Scott Sullivan. When you've got that much humility and oh, it, it, it just purpose with humbleness. I mean, he is just like that ever since I've ever known anything about him. See. I wasn't that good of friends with Scott, but I was friends with his dad and my wife and his mother are huge friends. And, um, and we, of course we love the whole family. You know how it is. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, and, and they just all, I mean, I loved his dad. His dad just killed me. He was so funny. He died several years ago, but, uh, I miss him and I always thought the world of his dad. And anyway, great job. And, uh, you know, I can just see when, when y'all were discussing his career, uh, because I was familiar with it, it was so accurate and so well done. You know, I, I had the picture of him uh, all the way from his Auburn uniform to the lookout uniform to the Cincinnati Red when he was pitching one Saturday afternoon. And uh, he threw one in there high and tight. This uh, hot-tempered Latino was going to run out there and get in. Scott's face and Scott hit him and I mean decked his rear end, I mean in a heartbeat. Even Nolan Ryan said, you know what, that was a good shot right there. Yeah, when you, when, you, when, you charge, when you charge one of them folks from Pickens County, you better be ready because yeah, on the you, other end. You charge Scott, now when he said bailing hey. We ain't talking about round bells. We're no, talking we're about square Probably had sorghum <laughs> hay that weighed about 40 pounds a bell. And, uh, uh, try 75. Oh, and, uh, Lord. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you run the, and he, you run the mound at him and his brother. You better be ready. You better have something. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed that anyway, interview. I want to tell you, 
I wanted to have a little fun with it and uh, tell you what a great job and uh, how proud everybody over here is of Scott making the uh, Hall of Fame. Well, I was ho- I was hoping that Mark Wright would get through and uh, uh, who played with with uh, Scott or as, as you guys called him back in the day, Scotty Sullivan back at Pickens yeah. Academy. And hey, let me tell you something. That team that they had uh, that Coach Wright had at PA it was loaded with college uh, uh, players that went on to uh, state and went on to. Uh, 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 West Alabama, we mm-hmm. called it Livingston back then, but I mean they were all over the place. That was some. That was a great uh, some baseball years right there. And Scott was kind of the uh, he kind of you know was the ring leader there to get it started. Yeah, I think Terry Pearson that played with Scott made it to the big leagues too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. So, you know, yeah, just as like, like you and I were talking about, you got that little pocket there in Pickens County, little small communities and towns. Yeah, but yeah boy. That, I, I tell you what, they were fun to watch. It didn't matter where what they played, whether it was baseball, football, or basketball. They they just competed. They were tough and uh, just fun to watch, Joe. But uh, all those guys that played with Scott, I mean, they were, they were great athletes and they were tough, too. Yep. No doubt about it. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that, Tom. I did. I really did. Thanks, Gary. Good job. Appreciate you. And uh, great listener, Tom. Listens to our shows in the morning and uh, supports us. And uh, I'm glad that uh, we could get Scott Sullivan on. And, and you know, when you go into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, that's a major accomplishment for any athlete that has ties to this state. And uh, whether they grew up here, whether they played college ball here, uh, whether they're from here and they made their name um, – you know, playing at another school outside of the state. Still, if you've got ties to the state of Alabama and you're selected for induction into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, it just doesn't get any better than that. And uh, we're thrilled that we could have Scotty Sullivan on this morning to discuss his career. All right, it's 1023 here on the Gary Harris Show. We're open for phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904-205-342-9904. I was thinking last night when I was doing some social media stuff that they they being people who are not happy with the college football playoff um, selection committee's choice to get Alabama into the playoff and not Florida State or not have Florida State in, period. It's not just Alabama that got in with one loss. Texas did as well, but Alabama seems to be the focus. Uh, not letting it go. Not, uh, not wanting to move on. It is now... Six days since we played that game over in uh, Atlanta that Alabama beat Georgia and that Florida State on that Saturday night beat Louisville for the ACC championship. And then Sunday was the selection show. So it's been five days since the selection show, six days since the games were played, and the college football playoff is set. And Florida State is scheduled to play Georgia in the Orange Bowl, which should be a heck of a game. But a lot of people that have platforms <clears throat> do not want to let this to let this go. Uh, they just do not want to do it and continue to make a you know buzz about it on social media. And a lot of people that are in our business that um, just continue to act like that this was a miscarriage of justice. Really, it's just a it's a it's a college football playoff. You know, it, it, it is what it is. But interesting 
that um, Eli Drinkwitz, who is the coach at Missouri, appeared on a show on SEC radio and really took a non-SEC viewpoint. And Noah, if I send you this on your phone, can we play it? Or should I just play it here on the mic? Or I'm going to send you this because I want us to play this. This is Eli Drinkwitz, who's the SEC Coach of the Year, 10-2 in Missouri. But I was not really a fan of his comments here. Let me know when you have those ready to roll, Noah. And we're going to listen to – this is going to be from uh, SEC Radio on Sirius XM. And this was yesterday – Yesterday with uh, Coach Eli Drinkwitz from the University of Missouri with his thoughts on the CFP committee leaving out Florida State. All right, here we go. If we're going to really have hard conversations, let me ask you this. If a team in the playoff has a star player injured, are they going to be removed from the playoff and then we put Florida State back in? I mean, <laughs> another that, great to me, that, that to me was complete nonsensical um, rationalization. Um, and, and I know I'm an SEC guy, but that that one bothered me a whole lot. And then to not factor in maybe a team having an unfair advantage in some of their games, I don't. It, it just seemed like to me we were we were picking and choosing what what lens we were going to look through. All right, that's Eli Drinkwitz, and that's not really uh, you know what you would expect from an SEC coach. Kind of coming down against uh, the SEC teams that are, or the SEC team that's in the playoffs, saying that Florida State should have been in. Again, Texas is in with one loss as well. And I understand they beat Alabama, but it's not like there are three undefeated teams and just Alabama. There's two one loss teams. But uh, that's his opinion. He's allowed to give it. And I was a little surprised, though, that he made those comments. All right, it's 1028. We're going to get to a break. And uh, when we come back, the coach, Ellis Johnson, is going to give us his thoughts on the SEC championship game, whether or not the college football playoff committee got it right, and what's ahead for Alabama in the Rose Bowl against Michigan. That's coming up next right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, it's time for the coach, Ellis Johnson, normally with us on Thursdays, but I, I screwed it all up this week. Coach had texted me while I was in Atlanta for the SEC championship game and said he had a doctor's appointment. I agreed to move him to Wednesday and then just forgot all about it. But graciously, he, he finagled his scheduler around, and uh, he's with us now here on the TGIF edition so we can dive into what's going on with uh, the college football playoff and, uh, and college football um, in general. But we will start with a look back at the SEC championship game. Good morning, Coach. How are you? Good morning, Gary. You were at the championship game when we exchanged those texts, so you had a lot bigger fish to fry than me. Yeah, and I just, I just absolutely forgot all about it. But we got you today, and it worked out well. Um, well, you watched the game. 
and we knew it was going to be a really competitive game. I picked it 27-24. I picked it right on the score. Unfortunately, I picked Georgia to win, but um, but I, I felt like it would go down to the wire, and it did. Uh, but I thought Alabama coach, and I want to get your coaching perspective on it. The way I saw the game sitting there in the press box is I thought on that Saturday, Alabama was the better team all game. I thought that they, they made more plays than Georgia did. They made more plays when it counted. Um, they got the lead 17-7 at halftime. They never fell behind, even though Georgia got close. And then at the end of the game, they were able to close it out with a couple of first downs without having to punt the ball back to Georgia. I thought it was a good football game, a competitive football game, but I thought Alabama was a better team on that particular Saturday. I totally agree. And uh, I think uh, Milro deserves a lot of credit. It wasn't an extremely sexy game with the stats and all that, but zero interceptions and took care of the football. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the long run, I think that was huge. Uh, And he made more plays. Uh, critical plays. Uh, I think Beck consistently was a little better, but he made the big plays when he had to. My comments going into it was that Alabama had to cut back on penalties and they had to win the turnover battle. They had three penalties, 36 yards, and they didn't have a turnover. And I, they, they're probably a, not maybe as overall balanced team as Georgia. I, Georgia wasn't really healthy in their receiver crew, uh, but I think they're much more explosive, much more. Uh, Make, make much more dynamic, critical plays. And so they, they, they definitely deserve being the top four and, and, uh, and deserve that SEC uh, crown, too. And defensively for Alabama, it's easy to forget that Alabama, you know, Georgia won the toss, deferred. Alabama went, to, I think, three and out. If they if they did get a first down, it was only one. But they punted the football to Georgia, and I guess – Mike Bobo and company were on script, and I mean, they just went right down the field. I mean, it was, you know, and then Milton finished it off with an almost untouched touchdown run, and it's seven to nothing. And you're thinking, oh my gosh! And Georgia didn't score again until the second half. Uh, what adjustments did Kevin Steele and company make to slow down that Georgia offense, which got off to a great start? I couldn't tell any major adjustments. I just think they did a lot better job. Uh, they pressured back at, at some critical times and. Georgia just didn't get a lot of explosive plays, and and that's something they've been really getting uh, through most of their games. I mean, Alabama was only three of thirteen on third down and uh, uh, ran the ball for barely over a hundred yards, but Georgia didn't even reach a hundred yards on the ground. So I, I just thought it was a really good performance. Their offense held on to the ball a little bit, gave them a little bit of time of possession advantage, but uh, I just thought they played better. I didn't see anything major with the X nose that changed up. When you look at that game by itself, um, you had two great football teams, the two teams that certainly over the last 10 years or so, and you throw LSU in there, I guess, and even in Auburn, you know, back to 2013. But but for the most part, the last five years for sure, uh, minus the one year by LSU, it's it's been Alabama and Georgia, and they're playing for the SEC championship, which is huge. But they also were playing because of the way this thing was set up knowing that the loser, even Georgia, which was undefeated, the loser probably wasn't going to the college football playoff. That hasn't always been the case. Two years ago, Georgia lost that game and still went to the playoff and won the national championship. That, you know, you want to win a conference championship. And I hate that some people have diminished the conference championship. But when you're playing in that game, you know, even if you're Kirby Smart, if you lose, you're probably not going. And that, that, that was pretty much a de facto playoff game itself, wasn't it, Coach? It really was. I, I would I would imagine that both coaches approached with their team that they wanted to win an SEC championship. Right. But in the back of their mind, they, they knew that whoever won it, 
had a, a, a much, much better than 50% chance of going to the playoffs, and whoever lost it was not going to get in. And the Florida State controversy has raised, and I, I feel terrible for them, but I think anybody who watches a lot of football, if you just looked at it, uh, Alabama's one of the four best teams at the end of the year, and Florida State, unfortunately, is not. And it's a tragedy how it ended up that way, but when they lost the quarterback, they're not one of the four best teams. I'm not so sure Georgia, not one. They, they probably are one of the four best teams, but with this playoff system, it, it's just going to be this kind of arguing and second-guessing when you have these uh, human elements picking the teams, and there's just no way around it. And even when they go to 12, there's going to be still a little bit of it because when you pick the teams with human choice, nobody's going to be happy. There's always going to be somebody upset about it. And uh, I'm not a playoff guy, Gary. I wish we'd go back to the bowl games and just vote the national championship at the end of the year, but that bus left the station a long time ago. Yeah, it did. What's remarkable is that you've had this 14 playoff from 2014 going forward, and it took the final year of the 14 before we had a log jam like this. But sounds like you're, you know, you're in agreement based on um, the facts as they were laid out for this committee that they got it right, in your opinion. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not going to say that Alabama's one of the best four. I think there were six teams that had an argument to be in there. Unfortunately, I don't even think Florida State was one of them. I don't mean they're not deserving. They did one unbelievable job where they finished their season. But you just couldn't, you know, if you'd picked it to make everybody happy on Sunday. But in two or three weeks when they play those games and they get beat by 20 or 30, then everybody will say, well, why'd you do that? You know, you should have got the four best teams. So I, I just feel like under the system, the right thing happened. And there, there are a couple of teams that had an argument, maybe even better than Florida State. Coach Ellis Johnson with it. Now if you're Alabama, you're, uh, you're on to the college football playoff. I know – you know, I know certainly I would have logistically, but I, I think Alabama would have preferred to have played in New Orleans uh, at the Sugar Bowl, clearly, for, you know, a lot of reasons. But they are going west. Uh, you got two major brands, two winningest teams in college football history in terms of total wins. Of course, Alabama with all the national championships. You got Bama, Michigan, Harbaugh, Saban. I mean, uh, this Michigan team, though, I want I want you to give us your opinion of them. Uh, they've been building toward this now. This is their third year in the playoff. They lost in the semifinals the last two years to Georgia and then last year, shockingly, to TCU. But they're unbeaten again. They've got some speed. I mean, this, this isn't a team that just lines up and plays in a phone booth. They've got some big play capability with the quarterback and the receivers. Defensively, they can run. Uh, how do you see this matchup? Um, I see it a little bit like Georgia-Alabama. I think they're a more steady team, maybe a little more balanced team. I don't think they had the explosiveness that Alabama does. And I think the key, again, is going to be Alabama avoiding critical penalties and taking care of the football. And I think if they do that, eventually their explosive plays and the uh, ability for Milrow to beat you a couple of different plays, I think they have a little bit of an advantage. I know the the boys who make a living at it uh, got Michigan favored by a little bit, and I really don't see it that way. Now, I think they're a really good team. They're one of the four teams I picked. These are two of the four teams I picked at the beginning of the year to be in there. And then, and then when Alabama got beat early, I started wondering, was well, that going to happen? But I do think, you know, it's going to be somewhat similar to Georgia. Playing a very balanced football team, don't have a weakness on the field, but I don't think they have the explosiveness that Alabama has. Watching Alabama this year the way you have, and a lot of us wonder, you know, you, you lose at home to Texas, then Milrose sits it out. 
Uh, you get through that game at South Florida, but it was ugly. And you're coming home to play Ole Miss with Milrow back at quarterback. People, a lot of people not sure about him. Uh, Ole Miss coming in with a good team. A lot of people picked uh, Ole Miss to win that game. And Alabama won it, and they just they just kept getting better. Uh, you've seen a lot of these Saban teams that you know they were good in game one. I mean, they they knew they were good, had you know the experience. But this one, week to week, it was um, you know it was a work in progress. But you know from a coaching standpoint um watching this team improve how hard is that to take a team that you know is not a finished product and navigate that sec schedule to the point where you can get to november with a lot on the line and 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 have this season turn out the way that it has what kind of challenge was that for this coaching staff and you know just your thoughts as a coach on how they were able to do it i think it was huge and i think two things i think losing that ball game early and then playing the way they did at South Florida, probably sent a message to the coaching staff and the players that we're not very good if we don't play well. We can't go out here and 40 point everybody. And we're not going to get it done that way. I think the second thing is when Coach handled Bill Rowe early in the season the way he did, I think, and I'm just guessing, I don't have any knowledge of this, I think he was benching him as much as a as a player or or a person as he was his playing performance. And if he didn't get under control and stop making bad decisions and, and quit being selfish with the ball, they had no chance. They would have lost three or four ball games this year. And I think evidently it worked. And I think if you look at the improvement of the football team, every part about it may not have been because of Milro, but as he grew, the team grew. And that's, of course, that's kind of true of every football team, the way football's played today. If your quarterback can't make plays at critical times, you're going to have a hard time winning football games. So I, I just think the two things paralleled each other, and I think those two factors are what drove it. And it, it's got to be one of his best coaching jobs, and I think he and the staff deserve a tremendous amount of credit. The other semifinal at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, you've got number two, Washington, undefeated. Number three, Texas, with the one loss to Oklahoma. Uh, this is another really riveting matchup. Sark used to coach at Washington. These two teams played last year in a bowl game, which Washington won. So a lot of storylines with this one, too. Yeah, I, I, you know, I did not think Washington would get there. They were the, the worst defense, scoring defense, of all the teams that had a shot. And they proved me wrong because their defense showed up and played better than Oregon's defense in that game. And I think they probably had the toughest game, uh, arguably Alabama, Georgia, but they had the toughest game to win, to get in it. And I thought the performance was outstanding. Uh, and that the big difference, I think, with their offense, you know, pretty much controlled Oregon's defense for most, most of the game. And I did not see that coming. They ran 78 snaps. Oregon ran 54. 24 snaps difference. That, that's amazing in a college football game. I think that, uh, I kind of see it the same way going in to see, you know, to, to play Texas. I think Washington's had at the least as hard a path to get there as Texas has. Uh, the Big Eight this year, or what are going to call them, the Big 12. They, top to bottom, were not that good. And I don't know if Texas has had enough tough ball games. But they did play well the other day, and Oklahoma State just wasn't even on the field with them. They look like as good as any team in the country right now, both sides of the ball. But, uh I, I think Texas is a better football team, but they're very similar, and it'll be—I think it'll be a heck of a ball game. 
I do too. Outside the playoff, I want to ask you about that Georgia Florida State matchup in the Orange Bowl because the Orange Bowl is a you know New Year's Day Six Bowl. It's a traditional bowl. Uh, Georgia, you know, was going for a three-peat. You know, once again, we see getting close, but how hard it is to win three in a row. It's why it hasn't been done since the 30s. And yet you've got this matchup with all of the talk about Florida State getting robbed, and yet it's SEC versus ACC. We don't know for sure. My my thought process is that the culture at Georgia is a lot like at Alabama with Kirby at Georgia. I think they're going to have most of their players play. I don't know what's going to happen with Florida State, but if you're Florida State and you're Coach Norvell, this is a chance to – you know, bring your team together and just say, hey, listen, let's let's you know, let's win the game for us. But let's go out and prove a point against the the, the SEC and uh, the committee. So this could be an intriguing matchup. Of course, again, we don't know if everybody will play. Uh, but uh, what do you think of this this showdown? Yeah, I think you're going to have some players start deciding they're not going to play in it. You're going to have some other things get into it where it won't be the sexy matchup that everybody's trying to make it. But I do think that the Florida State's probably sitting there thinking, we don't need to lay an egg in this game because then everybody don't say, we told you so. You know, you've been talking about you should have been in the Final Four, and this proves you shouldn't have been. So I'm sure they want to play really well and either win the game or certainly have a tight game because I think it would say that they were still without a quarterback, without their starting quarterback, one of the best teams in the country. Georgia, on the other hand, I think they're probably more deflated right now from the standpoint of, they had it in their own hands. They didn't have a, a bad situation happen with an injury to the quarterback. They got beat. They did have a couple of receivers who weren't full speed, but they got beat, and they probably got a sour taste in their mouth. And I would feel like they would want to come out and play extremely well, too. So I just, Gary, just never know with these uh, next level bowl games, even the top, you know, New Year's Six and all that. You just don't know how these teams are going to show up mentally. Coach Ellis Johnson with us. Coach, it's portal season. We got a signing day coming up later this month for high school and junior college players in Alabama and, and, and Michigan and, and Texas and Washington's case. They're trying to prepare for a college football playoff. It is so convoluted with what all is going on. And this portal and NIL is just something else. I mean, these basically these quarterbacks go into this portal and they're just naming their price, just saying, this is what I got to have. Uh, you know, I think you knew this was coming, and this is the way this thing. Maybe it wasn't designed to be this way, but as soon as it, you know, was put in without any restrictions, uh, we knew this is what this was going to wind up being with this portal, right? I mean, it's just going to be unrestricted free agency, and these top quarterbacks, and not even just quarterbacks, but these top players are going to go in there, and it's, uh, you know, the price is right uh, to borrow a term from Bob Barker. I mean, this is crazy, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I was on a local show here earlier in the morning, and we got on that. And I, I mean, I almost I sound like I'm a, a, a mad old man, but Gary, it's going to deteriorate college football if we don't watch out. Now, the best 30, 30 teams, the ones with the biggest pockets, they're going to love it. But college football is going to be damaged if they don't get control of this. I said it when it started, and I think it's even worse than I thought it would be. Uh, it's pro sports with no front office. It's pro sports with no ownership. It's pro sports with no contracts. It's totally out of control. And I'm telling you, people say, well, how could you say this is going to hurt athletes? It's going to damage some kids. And we're not going to see the results of it until about six years down the road because a lot of these kids are getting enough money to think you know, they're in great shape for life. And it's going to cut off after a couple of years. And only about 1% of them are going to go to the pros. 
And the rest of them are going to have a degree that's probably in the work paper because they got it in three different places. And they're going to wake up one day and all the candy canes and all that are going to be gone and they're not going to have done anything academically and life skills to really make themselves a marketable person in the world today. I know that sounds silly, but the vast majority of them will end up that way if this continues. And you're going to damage where I'm really upset because I played small college football and I've coached on every level. This is going to damage the parity of college football tremendously. They don't get control of it. It's just, it's out of hand and it sounded good when they did it. It sounded sounded emotionally the right thing to do. But logically, it's a freaking mess to look. Put it mildly. It is, and, and and but the genie is out of the bottle, and and uh, I'm I'm I know I've asked you this a couple times during the course of the season. I guess nobody's got the answer. If they did, we'd have something in place. But it it, it remains, you know what what can be done about it? I mean, what can we do to to at at this point now with this unstri- unrestricted free agency, and also let's even build in this this COVID year stuff. We got guys playing now six, seven, eight years of college football. I can't even keep up with eligibility anymore. And it seems like when they transfer, that's never an issue either. I mean, they just go from school to school to school, and they're always eligible. I'm trying to figure out how all that works. But I mean, what what can we do to try to kind of at least get some structure to this? Well, the only thing that's will solve it. It doesn't seem like anybody wants to do it, and maybe it can't be done, but. They've got to give an organization, such as the NCAA, the ability to regulate and make their own rules, just like the owners in the NFL do. They get in a room, they hash things out, they decide what's going to make the league competitive and make it attractive for people to watch. They go to Congress, they get the antitrust law. I'm I'm not smart enough to know all these things, but I'm smart enough to know this. These people that are smarter than me have got this thing so screwed up, and they're going to damage uh, what has been one of the most wonderful things in, in the last hundred years, and that's college football. And I think the teams are going it's not going to be the, the ones you read about every day. It's going to be the ones that can't come up with this kind of money. Now, on the other, you flip the page, you say, well, this is, this is free market. This is capitalism. You can't do that to kids. Well, you can pass a federal law, Title IX, which is nothing but social engineering, and it's probably a very good law. But it's social engineering. You're, you're, you're making people do things, give people something they didn't earn. Another group earned it, if you want to get real simple about it. So there's a merging of, of things here, and it's going on in our colleges and universities, too. And, uh, you know, they don't have any control of it because they don't understand half of it. And, and just that coaches are not making the decision. And so it just gets worse and worse. And uh, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know how it's going to end up. I truly believe that this thing's not governed and, and put under some kind of regulation. It's cancer that will eat itself in 10 years. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Uh there's some scuttlebutt going around here, coach, and that's all it is, scuttlebutt. I don't want to say, but I've heard it from several people that if, you know, they feel like if Coach Saban wins at all, he might um, – he might might hang it up. I don't know. I see him on the road recruiting this week with as much energy and vigor as he's ever had, you know, getting. He doesn't seem like uh, a guy that's ready to quit regardless of what happens in this playoff. But I want to ask you, too, from a standpoint as, as, as structured as he is, um, if if and when he's ready to hang it up, I just picture him as a guy who's going to have a plan and he's going to have a plan in place and he's just not going to be after a ball game, get up on a podium and say, this is it for me. I just don't see it playing out that way I, when coach Saban is ready to put the whistle in the in the drawer for good um, I wouldn't picture him just 
winning a national championship, saying that I, I would picture a plan in place uh, for him to give people time to to kind of organize and get ready to move on because it's going to be a big deal when he when he retires. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I, I kind of agree with you, but I really hadn't ever thought that part of it out. I know he's been on TV a lot more lately than he usually is, and I know that's who's going to be after him as soon as he hangs it up. Right. I, I know this. If he's, if he's going to quit on May the 20th, he'll be working his buttons off on May the 19th for, his, for the University of Alabama. I mean, that, that to me is who he is. I, I just know him personally and say hello. But I think you're right in many ways. He, he will want to leave there with a plan for himself. He will want to leave there with a plan for Alabama. And then they, they can take it and go with it and hire who they want. But I don't, I don't know that he'll try to name the next head coach. He'll try to do it at a point where one of his guys has got inside track. Uh, I just don't know all that. I don't know him well enough or uh, anybody over there well enough. But I, I think that he will, he will not leave it in a bad situation. Well, Coach, listen, this is uh, this is going to be the final one of our weekly segments, but uh, holidays coming up and all that, and I don't want you to be worried about having to do the Gary Harris radio show, but once we get into this playoff and uh, get into the new year, I am going to have you back on to, to recap uh, you know, the football playoff semifinals and the national championship game, if you don't mind. Sounds great, Gary. Enjoyed it again this season. Look forward to talking about the bowl game. Thank you, Coach. All right, Coach Ellis Johnson with us here on the Gary Harris Show. It's 10.52. This hour being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law, and we'll be back to wrap up the final segment of the TGIF edition right after this. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny today, the high in the mid-60s, around 65. Mostly cloudy tonight, the chance of isolated showers, the low 53. Mild and breezy tomorrow, a chance of showers during the day. Strong storms arrive tomorrow night, the high 71. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 56 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best station in the state breaking down Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me. Wow, what a great song. Home for Christmas. That's where many of us want to be during the holidays. And you want your home looking its best, that's for sure. And Houston Hydrosteam and Carpet Cleaning can make sure that's the case. Beautiful floors, whether it's carpet, hardwoods, vinyl, it doesn't really matter. They can come in and, and uh, they're 
work is quality work that you can stand on for nearly 40 years. Uh, Jackie Houston and his crew have been doing it locally. So you know you're going to get great uh, service. You know you're going to get great uh, uh, people who are bonded and, and going to do the job right the first time. Bathrooms too. Showers. If you've got that uh, grout, they can handle any of that. Water damage, whatever it means, whatever you need. Commercial, uh, residential, they can also do the oriental rug cleaning and upholstery cleaning as well. Houston Hydro Steam and Carpet Cleaning. Give them a call, 205-553-9460, 205-553-9460. Their work is guaranteed. Find out more at HoustonHydroSteam.com. All right, a couple minutes left here on the program before we turn it over to the Miller's Edge. So um, if you wanted to sneak in a phone call, you could probably do it right now at 205-342-9904. But I want to thank our guest today. Really enjoyed visiting with Scott Sullivan, uh, new Soon to be inductee into the, uh, well, he's going to be inducted into the uh, Alabama Sports Hall of Fame this coming spring. Selected for induction earlier this month. You've got um, the fact that we had Ashley Johnston, Alabama Gymnastics coach. Remember, again tonight, uh, 6 p.m., the Crimson and White preview meet at Coleman Coliseum. And, of course, the coach, Ellis Johnson. Also, uh, 2A, 4A, and 6A state championship games at Bryant-Denny Stadium beginning at 11 o'clock this morning and running on through till tonight. And then all seven games will be in the books. We'll crown three more state champions. We've crowned four so far. So that's uh, coming up this afternoon and evening at Bryant-Denny Stadium. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the show. Noah Haynes is uh, always uh, assisting me here, and I appreciate his help. appreciate you listening and a reminder to have a great weekend and we'll be back monday morning with the monday edition of the gary harris show we've got the miller's edge coming up next at 11 a.m followed by big noon sports matt and lars are going to have leon douglas bama basketball great on their show today from noon until two and then ryan fowler will take you home with the game from two until six uh, this afternoon have a great weekend everybody talk to you again on monday to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.